Good morning, everyone. How are you? Feeling more thankful every minute? Good, good, okay. Um, today, as we've mentioned a couple times, this is a wrap on our Holy Spirit series. Um, 16 weeks, who would have thought it, right, or thunk it? Who would have thought it? Uh, four weeks looking at who the Holy Spirit is in the Old Testament, um, in the Trinity, in the life of Jesus, in the first church, and then nine weeks uh, talking about who the Holy Spirit is making us into, how through the fruit of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit has come to sow the very character and the demeanor of God into us. And then these, these last two weeks are simply about following the Holy Spirit in our daily lives. Um, what does it mean for you and I every day, everywhere we go from you know, sun up to sundown to, to really be used by the Holy Spirit um, as Christians in this world today. And last week, what we did was we started off by acknowledging the sovereignty of God, that uh, God created all, God rules over all, God orders all things. <clears throat> in other words, God is really in control, and yet he's called us to play a part. He's invited us into the action. The, 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 the action of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, it involves us by God's choice. And yet what that means for us, <clears throat> as we said last week, is that it needs to be God leading the church. Um, it really needs to be God uh, really just, just taking us down that road and ordering all things versus you and I being in control. Um, and the church being some man-powered entity, um, we really need to look to God for direction and, and for ministry and for mission and what comes next. Um, we need the Lord in everything we do. So having said that, uh, here's a story um, from, from last week, and this is God working through us, maybe even in spite of us, okay? Okay. Um, Eight days ago on Saturday, Donnie and I uh, were called to the hospital. We had a member um, who's dying. Uh, we just say it was, in general, systemic organ failure, um, kidneys, heart, a very, very bleak situation. And um, the, this husband and wife had already heard from the doctor, and they were given days, she was given days, maybe, maybe weeks to live and so, as we came in on that Saturday, she and her husband were getting all those last things in order, um, things like DNR, you know, any kind of will stuff, just, just all those things you do um, in, in that time. And so, Donnie and I went, and we, uh, we prayed for them, we talked for them, and then just as we were leaving, um, we said, hey, uh, would you like us to bring you communion tomorrow morning. You know, we'll do the church service, and then we can run over here with communion. We know your family's gathering, and so we'll just take communion together. And they were all about it. I mean, they were like, yes, absolutely. So we, you know, preached the sermon last week about God using us and making room for the Spirit of God to just have His way through us. And uh, right after church, some of y'all might have seen us. I had my backpack on, and Donnie had his little communion set, and we hustled out of here right after the service. And we got to the hospital, and uh, the charge nurse was there with, within the family. And, uh, you know, they, they were talking about what to expect in the next couple of days. And it was really somber. It was very serious, as it should be. And so, so they got all that in place. And then the nurse left. And we read scripture. We set communion apart. We took communion as a very small family, them and us. 
And um, then Donnie pulled out anointing oil, and we, we prayed over um, this woman as, as, a, as a family. And um, so we, we left. And I asked the husband if I could share this email with you all today. Yes, Pastor Steve, please share as you are led. To me, Nancy's kidney recovery was nothing short of a miracle. As you know, our family was preparing for the end, just not knowing how much time remained for her. A few days, a few weeks, maybe, we didn't know. Then minutes after you and Donnie left her room on Sunday, her kidneys started functioning as if they were turned on like a light switch. She has continued to improve each day this week. We are grateful for the unknown numbers of prayers that have been raised up for her. Um, there is no coincidence in that, my friends. And it is just to, to make the point again, it's, I, I think it's just God making the point that we want to be in partnership with the Holy Spirit. Um, we don't want to just go through the motions of religion or show up for events, all of which are good, be a part of programming. But we, we really want to be yielded to what God would do at any given moment through all of us. Um, what we read about in Scripture is absolutely not the end of the story for the church. So let me pray for us. Uh, God, I, I remember uh, last Sunday what we prayed in that hospital room, and it was, Father, would you show up and be who only you can be? And would you do what only you can do in these moments? And I pray the same over us today, that, Father, your, your word would go out, and, um, Lord, that, that it would have your effect on us, God, that, that we would be moved forward in our faith, um, that we would be strengthened, that we would become more and more like Jesus, and that we would be a church that really is yielded to all that you would say and do through us in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let's get really practical, and let's discuss the Holy Spirit using us in everyday life. And we're going to do this. I never do this except for today, okay? Um, we're, it's a three-point sermon, okay? I, I know. Don't, don't pass out. A three-point sermon, and it's, it's the three L's, okay? So here we go. My Baptist roots from way back are coming back. Okay, here we go. Let me read to you um, from the Word of God because we want the, the Word to guide this discussion. So Acts chapter 8, 26 through 40. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And so he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Candake, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading, Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come and sit with him. This is the scripture passage the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants, for his life was taken from the earth? The eunuch asked Philip, please tell me who the prophet is talking about, himself or someone else. Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here's water. 
what can stand in the way of my being baptized? I love that line. And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch didn't see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. This is a brilliant story that captures how Jesus and how the first church did ministry. Um, what, what makes this story so appealing to me is that it is a story that is not bound to ancient culture. In other words, we, we can't read that and go, well, it could have only happened in the ancient world. Absolutely not. This is as real and as relevant for, for our life and our times as uh, it was for them way back when. And since you just heard me read it, I'm going to pull out a few highlights, okay? Important things. You may have already realized all these, but we don't want to miss them. So here you go. Um, first of all, very importantly, this was not a calculated ministry plan of Philip. Uh, Philip didn't wake up and go, or, or some church leaders get together and go, okay, Philip, here's your assignment. You know that road, the, 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 you know, the Jerusalem-Gaza road? Well, there's a lot of traffic there. And it just seems like a great place to do some evangelism. Not at all. That, that's not what happened. Here, an angel shows up, and uh, the angel announces that for that day, for this moment, God has a specific agenda. God has a plan for the day. And Philip is given the general direction. Um, he says yes, he obeys God, and he goes. Now, this is our first L. What has Philip just done? Listened. He's simply listening for the voice of God. His ears are open. And when God speaks to him, he responds. He says yes, he does what, uh, what, what, what God has said here. He acts on it. So, listening to what God would say to us. And by the way, God speaks through his word. God speaks by his spirit. There are many times for me that God has spoken to me through you. Uh, it, it, God has a way of, of, of getting through to us, speaking our language. So, but from there, Philip does something else. Another L, he keeps his eyes open. All right? Uh, so, he, he's looking here. Philip is looking for whatever it is God is up to. So here he is, he's on his way, he's listened, his eyes are opened, and uh, he sees something a bit unusual. He sees a man in a chariot reading scripture with a puzzled look on his face, and with his eyes open and his ears open, Philip concludes, you know what, this just might be the Lord, this might be the Lord working. And then the Holy Spirit, though, takes away the, 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 the mystery. He prompts Philip, and he says, go over to that chariot and stand near it. And um, he does so, and the man is reading Scripture, okay? Wow, he's reading the Word of God. So again, this looks like God at work. This smells like God at work. Everything seems to line up. And so Philip, in this moment... He doesn't launch into like 19 evangelism questions. He doesn't walk the man through the Roman road. None of that yet. He simply asks him a question. And it is the most natural, normal, obvious question of the moment. The question is, do you understand what you're reading? Well, the puzzled look probably gave that away. And the man replied, no, I have no idea what this means. 
Would you come up here and explain this to me? And again, Philip does. And what is the man specifically reading about? He's reading about the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He's reading about Jesus. And then the man, again, now Philip doesn't barge in even at this point. The man then at that moment says, who's this about? Who, who is the writer writing about it? Is this prophet writing about himself? Is he writing about someone else? I mean, boy, you talk about a red carpet here. Philip just has to walk this thing. Well, what does he do? He tells him who the man's been reading about. Philip tells him everything he knows about Jesus. He tells him the good news story. I mean, hey, after all, you asked, here it is. So he tells the man, and uh, right about that time, we find out, Okay, this, this wasn't in the story early. We find out that the chariot's been moving. They've been rolling down the road here. They come upon water. And again, I love the question from the eunuch. Hey, what's to stop me from being baptized? In other words, this Jesus that you told me about, I believe in who he is. He's the savior of the world. I, I, I confess him. I want to be baptized. And Philip, of course, does. In the next moment, the Holy Spirit takes Philip away and the eunuch just keeps rolling on down the road, rejoicing in his salvation. Man, you know, does that make evangelism a little more appealing to you? I mean, you know, this, this is the kind of thing I, th I think we'd all like to be a part of. Before I get into it, though, I want to point out two other really important things. Uh, one thing is that the man in the chariot is no ordinary man, okay? Now, no offense to the ordinary men in the room, all right, I'm, I'm one of you, you know. Usually, wherever we go, we're facing the crowd. We, you know, uh, we, we work in this little corner of the world. Well, this guy is a whole lot more important than that. Um, he, he's a man of tremendous influence. He is an important government official. Now, why did I call him important? Well, because he works with money, okay? The, he is in charge of all the treasury, and he also has the queen's ear. So do you see there might be a bigger strategy, right? A bigger plan of God going on in place. This man is going to go back to Ethiopia filled with the good news of Jesus Christ. Many people say this is the beginning of world missions in Ethiopia, maybe even in Africa. It's a huge moment. It's a huge moment in Scripture. But the other very important thing to note here, you can't miss this, okay? Because if we miss this, then things get wonky in ministry. The other thing we cannot miss is that God does 95% of the work here, okay? There is, I would suggest, some heavy lifting in this passage. God does all of it. But Philip's little part, it's really important. Uh, the, the story does not go this way without Philip doing his part as well. Now, now on God's side... Um, we can clearly see that God has been at work on this Ethiopian a long time before Philip ever showed up, okay? Lots of clues in the passage. Uh, for one thing, verse 27 tells us that this man, this Ethiopian, had been to Jerusalem to worship, okay? So somewhere long before Philip got there, this guy has heard some of the Old Testament the word of God. He is intrigued by whatever is going on with this God. He goes all the way from Ethiopia to Jerusalem. Maybe he had some business to conduct, but he goes to the temple. He's been there to worship. 
God's been working on his heart. Now, God does something else in verse 28. He gets scripture into this guy's hand. This guy is reading, a, 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 and golly, the passage he's reading, right? Verse 33, uh, 32 and 33, he is reading again about none other than Jesus Christ. I would suggest to you that there is a whole lot of scripture in the Bible, right? A whole, I mean, talking about all kinds of things, you know, uh, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, creation. I mean, we've got the prophets, we've got the Exodus. This man's reading about Jesus. It's incredible the, the, what the Lord is doing here. And then in verse 34, he asks Philip, who is this about? And then finally in verse 36, after hearing the word of God, the Holy Spirit has moved on his heart. He has moved from, I have no idea what's going on here, to I am a believer. And he asked to be baptized. God showed up a long time before Philip comes into this scene. And so for Philip, what happens is he ends up walking through a situation that has complete, been completely orchestrated by God. When we read the Word of God, that is the norm, not the exception, okay? It's the norm, not the exception, all right? Um, the, I mean, this, this is the action we read about throughout all of Scripture, that God is at work, long before we show up. But Philip's part is a big deal. It, his small part is to listen to God, to look for what God is doing, and then to be led by the Holy Spirit. Okay, now I've been to, to uh, uh, seminary or cemetery just like uh, Donnie has, Morgan has. We have years of ministry experience. We learn how to do all kinds of things, how to program, what works, all this different kind of stuff. But folks, what we just read about with Philip, that's the way it's meant to be for the church in all that we do. It is no more difficult than what we read here. And as I said last week, but so often we make it so much more difficult than what we read right here. You know, too often in the church, and, and I really believe God is up to something right now in our life and times, but so often in the church we labor, we strive, you know, we decide, we determine, we control. And so often there's scenarios that are way beyond our ability to, 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 to control. And so often we have so little fruit to show for it. I, I think this is a, the script that many churches, most churches around the U.S. would go, yeah, it's so true. I mean, talk, talk to the staff, talk to the clergy. We, we, we do it way too much on our own by ourselves. <clears throat> but for me, Okay, for me, when I look back over the highlights of my 35 years in ministry, um, you know, when I came bopping into the church as a college intern who was going to work with the youth, um, I, I look back over those 35 years, and most of what I have done, like 95%, we'll go with that, that, that statistic again, most of what I have done, most of the days that I've experienced in ministry, they're very normal. They're very ordinary, you know? They're meetings and, you know, studying and programming and all kinds of things. And, and by the way, I am very thankful for all of that 95%. But the moments that I revel in as a minister are, are those unexpected moments when God showed up in the ordinary and we realize, whoa, look at who he is. God is so good. God is good all the time, just those moments that take your breath away. 
And those do exist in the faith. I was talking to somebody last week, and they said, you know, we, we can't forget as a church that, that, that church is also supernatural as well as natural. But those moments, like last Sunday, when God unexpectedly healed a woman who was marked for death, she was, um, or back in college, okay, here's a fun story. Back in college when I suddenly got put in charge of InterVarsity uh, Christian Fellowship's campus meetings, it was my job to get the speakers. Well, I'm 19 years old, okay? I don't know any speakers. I don't know the pastors in town or, you know, the people leading ministries or the professors that are Christian. I mean, I know a couple of them. I had no idea. You know what I did? In my ignorance, right, in my naivete, every week I would take one day and just fast and pray and say, Lord, please show me, please show me who to invite. And I was a couple of weeks out, right? You know, a couple of weeks. And uh, every week, I got the Lord's leader. Do you know what happened on our campus? We had a revival at a state college, part of the University of North Carolina. Uh, we had a revival. Kids were coming to Christ right and left. It wasn't me. It was the Lord. But again, it's just looking, listening, God lead me. It, it, it really happens. Or, or here's another one, all these weeks that I preach, okay? Now, uh, every pastor's different. For me, it takes about two hours. No, I'm kidding. It takes me about 12 to 18 hours to write a sermon. Most of that time, okay, heavy study, you know, thinking about how, how to put things in, taking some things out, lots and lots of Steve work. Do you know every time I preach, the Lord will give me one or two lines? Like I'll be writing and suddenly I'll have a thought and I'll go, wow, that was you, Lord. Guess what has the bigger impact on you every single week? It's that one or two lines that the Lord just hand delivers to me. People come up and say, you were speaking my language this week. How did you know? What? You know, and I'm just going, okay, you did it again. Lord, praise you. But, but, or all those times that God shows up in somebody's life a long time before I get there. And he shows up by his spirit, and that person is never the same. And I would have completely missed it. And I do miss it from time to time. Uh, Donnie, don't say many times or Marvin, okay? But I miss it as well. But those times where we're listening, looking, and being led, God shows up. We've, we've been talking a lot lately about evangelism, discipleship, spiritual transformation. I want you to know this. Those things were never meant to be rocket science. For the church, it was never meant to be this tedious, laborious chore of somehow trying to get it right. Salvation and transformation have always been God's work that we cooperate with. So let's get real personal, okay? Um, here are questions for you and for me. When it comes to listening to the Lord, are we doing it? Are we on a daily basis, okay, in here in worship, other times maybe driving around in our car, are we getting still? and knowing that he is God? Are, are, we, are we getting quiet and tuning in and listening to what God would say? You know, so many times I, I'll throw out a statement like that and someone will say, I, I don't get what you're talking about. You know, I, I don't see what you mean by God speaking to us. It's incredible the correlation between not hearing the voice of God and not getting still to listen. I've seen people just say, you know what, in my daily life, I'm going to do it. I'm going to make five minutes and just get still before the Lord and listen. So often, those people come back to me and they say, oh my gosh, it works. The Lord 
He, he speaks to me, you know, through his word. I've never, I've never been spoken to like that from the word of God. Or I was praying and I just had this God thought and it turned out to be right. And then they'll say, and I realized that God has been speaking to me all along. I just wasn't tuned into his voice. So how are we doing with listening? How are we doing with looking? Um, are we looking for who God is working on and who God might be directing us to. And I'll tell you another one on this. Don't, don't be afraid of praying that prayer. Uh, Lord, Lord, who are you working on? You know, who would you send me to? It's most likely not going to be to Africa. Um, it's not going to be to China or Mongolia. It's going to be to the people around you. And I know in my life what will happen is I'll pray that. I'll say, Lord, who, who would you, who, you know, who is it, Lord? And God will highlight people that are already in my life that I live next to, or work with, I'll just begin to see people who are discouraged or, you know, it, it, it's like the eunuch in, in the chariot. And then finally, are we making ourselves available to God um, to, uh, to be led on a daily basis? You know, one of my favorite prayers, I, I don't know if he's in the room or not, he usually is. Oh, uh, yeah, he is. One of my favorite prayers is one that Nick Holmes prays. Uh, Mick works in, in a school here, he's been teaching for years, and Mick has a daily prayer, and I just love it. Lord, who do you want to reach through me today? It's as simple as that. And I believe you've got a few stories to tell about who God has led you to, to minister to today. And again, it's, it's not Mick. It's just, but when we listen, when we look, when we make ourselves available to be led, God uses us. And it should be natural and organic and a beautiful thing of people coming to know Christ and by the way, the best way to be disciples is to be looking, listening, and led by the Holy Spirit. You want to grow in Christ? Man, there's a formula, all right? Let me pray for us because I could keep going. All right. Holy Spirit, we love you, and we just thank you that we, we acknowledge together that you are God, that you, you are not an aberration of God, that you, you are not some separate entity, but that, that we just acknowledge that you are God. Thank you, Lord, for just the beautiful Trinitarian theology of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God, I thank you as well that what we read in Scripture is, uh, is not the way the story used to be and what it was like when the action was really hot. But Father, you are, pro you are still working right now through your people. You, you, until Jesus Christ comes, salvation, transformation, new life eternal life, abundant life, coming to people only through Jesus Christ, it's happening. And Lord, we want to be a part of that. We want to be used. And, and Father, whether it's that quiet, slow, long work of uh, just steadily growing like a tree, Lord, whether you, you show up like you did in the Gospels for so many people, and, and it, it is a miracle what you do. We want to say yes to everything, everything that you've come to do and who you would have us be. And God, we ask you in advance, we just ask you to use us for the salvation of many in this community and the growth of many just coming to know, truly know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. In Christ's name.